In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Christ is risen. I want to start with a disclaimer today, which I've made before, so it's no surprise, but I do need to say it. And it's that anytime I give a homily, I am speaking to myself. I may use the pronouns you or we, but the truth is, it is I, me, that I am speaking to all the time. And today, especially, that is the case. Because I want everyone to ask a question of themselves today. It's a very simple question, but a very important one. And that is, do we believe? And I'm not talking about the kind of belief where if somebody says, hey, you know, do you believe such and such? You go, oh, yeah, I believe that, sure. I'm talking about the deep down in your gut belief that there is nothing that can ever happen that will change that belief. There are things to consider when you decide if that's the kind of belief you have because there's risk involved. There's consequences, <coughs> excuse me, to that belief. Now, today <coughs> we had several things going on in both the epistle and the gospel lesson. But the common theme that I saw through that was that the people involved were willing to take the risk and the consequences for believing what they believed. Our belief that I'm talking about right now specifically happens to do with our belief in the Trinity, uh, the belief in Christ's life, his incarnation, his passion, his resurrection, and in the creed in a little bit, those things we say, I believe, and I'm specifically saying those are the things that we need to have that deep down in our gut belief that, yes, that is what I believe. We've taken that stake, we've pounded it into the ground, we've tied ourselves to it, nothing will shake us from that. Well, others have put their reputations and life, lives on the line. And today in the epistle lesson, the one that's, for obvious reasons, a little bit near and dear to my heart, because we're talking about the beginning of the diaconate, the original ordinations of those people who were set to serve. Now, as the, as the story goes, the, we're back up to 12 apostles now, but the group the disciples had been growing, and it got to the point where it was just too big. And things were starting to not get done. The people were not being taken care of. And as oftentimes happens, there starts to be what the epistle calls murmuring. Well, that's complaining. And complaining that some people weren't being taken care of over others. We had the Hellenists. Those were the Greek-speaking Jews who are saying, hey, our widows aren't being taken care of because the Hebrews, the Aramaic-speaking Jews, are just taking care of their own. Now, whether that was on purpose or whether the Hebrews had already had their system in place and the Hellenists were kind of late, literally, to the table, uh, or whether they just didn't like them, I don't know. I was, I was laughing, uh, thinking about this, even in my neighborhood, on my street. Uh, on one side of the street, the houses, they have a big hill that goes up behind them. They have nice backyards, and it's pretty good. But on my side of the street, we have a creek that runs behind 
all of our houses. And on our side of the street, we think our homes are superior to those on the other side. Now, to be real fair, right now, the creek is more like a ditch because there's no water in it, but that hasn't changed. You see these kind of silly little things that, that just uh, make you feel one way or another, you're superior, you're, you're not, you're not being taken care of. So the 12 decided, okay, we need to do something. And so they told the disciples, the, the church, the people, as it was growing, they go pick seven men and make sure that they are of good repute, full of the spirit and wisdom. Now, as a deacon, I can stand up here and hopefully say, I am of good repute, full of the spirit and wisdom will see. Uh, as, as time goes by. But there are two extraordinary deacons up here. And no, I'm not one of them. I cheat a little bit because St. Athanasius is a bishop. But as you recall, as a deacon, he led the defense of orthodoxy against the Arian heresy. Very young man at the time as well. And he won. It took many, many more years after that. But Deacon Athanasius, got a spot with me. The other one is right here, the proto-martyr, St. Stephen, the archdeacon, the first. Now, uh, he was martyred because he basically started taking the Jews to task for what they had done to Christ, that they were murderers, that uh, they were had fallen from God, and the result of that was he ended up being martyred. He was stoned. And of course, if you recall the story, uh, one of his distant relatives was actually in the group that was stoning him, a guy by the name of Saul, who uh, later became Paul. Uh, he held the, the coats, at least, for those who were stoning Stephen. By the way, of those seven original deacons, um, four of them were martyred. One fell away into heresy, but four were martyred. Did they believe, did they have that belief that it didn't matter what the risk was, what the consequences were, that they were going to follow Christ and his teachings? They believed. Well, today we also remember St. Joseph of Arimathea and Nicodemus. In the gospel lesson in Mark, it says that uh, Joseph was seeking the kingdom of God, and he took up his courage and he went to Pilate and asked for the body of Christ when he was still hanging on the cross. And Pilate, after dis discerning that he was, that, uh, finding out that Christ was dead, went ahead and told St. Joseph, also called the noble Joseph or the pious Joseph, that he could take the body. So he and Nicodemus went. They took Christ down from the cross, did kind of a quick and dirty embalming with some spices that Nicodemus had brought and put the body of Jesus into St. Joseph's new tomb. Were the consequences to this? Yes. Nicodemus, who had been a respected member of the Sanhedrin, he got booted. He was kicked out. Joseph, on the other hand, he was actually arrested. He was put in jail. They let him out finally, but basically they exiled him. He ended up going into England, 
and uh, preaching there, and that's where he died. But sometimes there is a price to pay, whether it's a reputation, your life, whatever it happens to be. Are we willing to pay that? Are we willing to believe enough that that is worth it? But today is really about the myrrh-bearing women. And much, much has been said about the bravery of these women. You know, it's included in all four Gospels. Uh, it's not because Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John got together and said, hey, you know, this is a really cool story about a bunch of brave women who did a really cool thing. Well, it is a really cool story about a bunch of, bunch of brave women who did a cool thing, but it's an important thing for us all because they were the ones to whom the resurrection was first announced. But consider what was going on that day, the day those women went to the tomb that early morning. Barely a day and a half ago, the world that they had known, certainly at least for the last three years, had just come to a screeching halt. One of the women had lost her son. Another lost her stepbrother. Two others had lost the one who had raised their brother from the dead. There were at least eight women there. We know the names of eight. There may have been more. But some or all of these women had watched Jesus die. And some had seen where he was laid in that tomb of St. Joseph of Arimathea's. And I think oftentimes about what it would be like in those early morning hours for those women to do this thing which was very likely could have meant their imprisonment, possibly their lives. But what were they thinking as they went? What was going on? As I said, their world just ended just a day and a half ago. And what were they going to do? Well, for one thing, they believed. They were going to the tomb because they needed to do something as part of their belief. Now, think about it for one other minute here because there were a whole bunch of soldiers there. There was a, as the scriptures say, a very large stone, and it had been sealed. So had I been faced with that? I probably would have said, come on, we're, we're not going to even, it's not worth getting up early for. It's just not going to happen. We're not going to be able to do that. But they believed. They believed. So as, as I come early on Pascha morning, it's dark, and it's a little bit lonely and quiet, and you know I've got that anticipation that the resurrection is, has happened, but they didn't. They didn't have that anticipation. There's probably a lot of fear. It said they were afraid. But they went because they believed. They loved him, and they needed to do this for him. And if it had been over when Christ died, there would be no need for them to go. So their belief was strong enough that they knew something was happening. They just didn't know exactly what. The one thing I did find interesting, by the way, is, you know, if, if I'd, again, if I'd been faced with it and had brave enough bravery to try to do what they were doing, my question would be, how are we going to get that stone rolled away? That wasn't their question. Their question was, who is going to roll that stone away? There was no question in their mind that it was going to be rolled away. It was just a matter of who was going to do it. Who was going to do that rolling in the stone? God provides. 
just as God provided Abraham with the sacrifice in place of Isaac, his son. God provides for the myrrh-bearing women. In this case, the stone was rolled away. The soldiers were as dead, and they got to talk to the angel. Are we really willing to risk our reputations and our lives for what we believe? Are you ready to make that decision? God provides. God is with us. How many times in the Lenten services did we say, God is with us? Believe. And I pray that none of us will ever have to face that type of choice where our lives, our reputations, whatever is at risk. But if it does happen, we need to remember those first seven deacons, St. Joseph, Nicodemus, and the Certainly, the myrrh-bearing women as examples for all. They were brave. They were willing to run the risk. So ask yourself now, do we believe? Do I believe? And I think more importantly, ask yourself, but answer it as well. You know, Father Peter Gilquist, he was really big on answering those questions now because when you're faced with the situation later, you don't want to be making the decision then. Make it now so that when the decision time comes, it's already done, and you don't have to worry about it. So may we believe in the one to whom is due all glory, honor, and worship, to the Father, to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, now and ever and unto ages of ages. Amen. Christ is risen.